So today we're going to read Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible, and I'm going to read the entire chapter. So hopefully uh, as we read through this, you'll know, understand where we're going. So Genesis, our search for God. First this, and we're reading from the Message Bible. God created the heavens and the earth, all you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness and inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird over the waters abyss. God spoke light, and light appeared. God saw that light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day, and he named the dark night. It was evening, it was morning, day one. God spoke, sky, in the middle of the water separated from the water. God made sky. He separated water under the sky from the water above the sky. And there it was. He named sky the heavens. It was evening, it was morning, day two. God spoke, separate, water beneath heaven, gather into one place. Land, appear. And there it was. God named the land earth. He named the pooled water ocean. God saw that it was good. God spoke, earth, green up. Grow all varieties of seed-bearing plants, every sort of fruit-bearing tree. And there it was. Earth produced green seed-bearing plants, all varieties. And fruit-bearing trees of all sorts. God saw that it was good. It was evening. It was morning. Day three. God spoke, Lights, come out, shine in the heavenly skies, separate day from night, make seasons and days and years, lights in heaven's sky to give light to earth, and there it was. God made two big lights, the larger to take charge of the day, the smaller to be in charge of night. He made the stars. God placed them in the heavenly sky to light up earth and oversee day and night to separate light and dark. God saw that it was good. It was evening. It was morning. Day four. God spoke, swarm, ocean, with fish and all sea life. Birds fly through the sky over earth. God created huge whales, all the swarms of life in the waters. And every kind and species of flying birds, God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill oceans. Birds reproduce on earth. It was evening. It was morning. Day five. God spoke, earth, generate life. Every sort and kind, cattle and reptile and wild animals, all kinds. And there it was. Wild animals of every kind, cattle of all kinds, every sort of reptile and bug. God saw it was good. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsive for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air and the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He didn't speak them, he created them. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, Take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Then God said, 
I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree. Give them to you for food, to all animals and all birds, everything that moves and breathes. I give whatever grows out of the ground for food, and there it was. God looked over everything he had made. It was so good, so very good. It was evening. It was morning. Day six. <laughs> you know, and the search, as we look at Genesis, um, Genesis is such an intriguing book. I mean, there's no, there's no explanations about God. There's no justifications of who God is. It just begins with God. Um, there's no reasoning for his existence. There's no trying to prove that he exists and that, you know, where did he come from? Where did God come from? God is. God created. He created the heavens and the earth and all that you see and all that you don't see. Jose, do you have that other picture? I, I was thinking of, and whenever we think of the vastness, and, and this is our solar system, okay? This is our solar system right there that big bright thing. <laughs> um, what, what, uh, what happened this past week or last two weeks? One, one planet went in front of the, what planet went in front of the moon, sun? Venus. Did you see the pictures of that? Did you see the picture of Venus, you know, going in front of the sun? There was this little round black dot in the middle of this huge circumference. <laughs> and Venus, this whole planet, fit in that... <laughs> You know, it wasn't like a, uh, a, um, an eclipse of the sun. There was just this little dot in front of the, of the sun. And I want to I read something here. It talks about, uh, talks about creation. It says, The simple statement that God created the heavens and the earth is one of the most challenging concepts confronting the modern mind. The vast galaxies we live in is spinning at an incredible speed of 490,000 miles an hour. Okay? That, that little cosmos thing there you see is spinning at 490,000 miles an hour. Okay? But even at this breakneck speed, our galaxy still needs 200 million years to make one rotation. So for that thing to spin around at 490,000 miles an hour takes 200 million years to make one trip. Some scientists say that the number of stars in creation is equal to all the grains of all the sands and all the beaches of the world. All of the stars that you see up there there's enough stars, about the same number of all the grains of sand and all of the beaches of the world. That's how many stars there are. <laughs> Yet this complex sea of spinning stars functions with remarkable order and efficiency. To say that the universe just happened or evolved requires more faith than to believe that God is behind these amazing statistics. God truly did create a wonderful universe. So whenever we are looking then at Genesis, this book of creation, but the word Genesis is begin, means, you know, the, the connotation is begin, start, commence, open. So the book of Genesis is about an opening, 
about this commencing of God speaking things into existence. And when the name Genesis appears, you know, there, there's a certain car manufacturer that has a Genesis. And, you know, I, I listen to that name or you hear different, uh, there's a grill I noticed on uh, some place that sells and they're, they're the Genesis grill. And you look at that and you think, wow, those people must really put a lot of stock or a lot of pride in that um, product to name it Genesis, as if this is a creation from which all other things have come. Now, I, I don't think that the grill is that old, or the car is that old, but it's a relatively new name. But the name Genesis is a refreshing and optimistic um, word that speaks to us of beginnings. And today, this is a Genesis moment in our life because time, it's time to begin. It's time to begin where we're at. It's time to begin our new life. It's time to begin again. Like, um, today is the first day of the rest of your life. That's a Genesis phrase. It's a beginning. It's a new beginning. We say, well, I've been here for how many years, but today is a new day. Today is the beginning again. So it's a Genesis moment. Old things pass away, the Bible says. Behold, all things become new. That's a Genesis phrase. It's a time when there is an opening of a new day, of a new life. And so each day the sun rises. Anybody know a day that the sun didn't rise? <laughs> so each day that the sun rises, we begin a new day. It is a Genesis moment coming to church. That's a Genesis moment. Why is it a Genesis moment? Because God is challenging us anew. God is challenging us again with his word and with his spirit, opening up to us new life, new ideas, new ways of approaching life, new ways of looking at our life, at our spiritual life. So we have a Genesis moment, and we look at Jesus Christ, the living word. He being alive in us creates, creates. God being alive in you and I is a creation. He create in us a new heart, create in us a new life, create in us, Lord, a right spirit. And God is continuing to create. And so the living word alive in us creates. God is creating in you. He is creating your dreams so that you can fulfill them. He is creating a sense of accomplishment so that we can go and fulfill them. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 1 again, if you, if you have your Bible open to it. I want to look at, does anybody have your Bible open? Look at verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, verse 26, verse 29. What does it say? God spoke. God said. And so there is this understanding that God is forming. God is creating. And, and we find in um, verse 27, so God created man. Everything else, God spoke into existence. How many times do we think of the context that God has his hand upon us? God, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci's great painting of God and man and the finger of man and the finger of God coming together. There is always this understanding of God touching man, of God 
being involved in Christ living in our heart. You see, verse 27 says that God created man in his image, so we are special. Now, some of you are really special. <laughs> you know, special. I never forget... Um, uh, uh, David talked about in, in, in Springfield, Missouri. Um, he had some friends, you know, and Rachel, she's exuberant and bubbly. No, this was at school, high school. Anyhow, it was in high school? It was in the Parsonage, okay. So this guy is a friend of David's, and Rachel's, you know, bubbly and excited and bouncing around, you know. And uh, this guy comes up to, Ray, to David and he says, David, is your daughter, your sister, is she special? <laughs> she meant, you know, a little whacked. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know if Rachel was a little whacked, you know, is special that kind of way. And he goes, no, that's just normally her. So you see, God has a special, we are special. The Bible calls us peculiar, that we are set apart. So God has a way of looking at us, and he says he formed us from the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath of life, and we became a living soul. That's what makes us different than the animals. And the, you know, we are not descendants of an ape. Okay, just in case some of you were wondering, I know there are some people who resemble the characteristics of animals, but we are not. You ever see those pictures where there's people have dogs and the dogs look like them or they look like the dogs, you know, those guys? We're not descendants from any of the animals. God formed us from the dust of the earth and he breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul. The hand of God is on our life in creation and is still on our life in our formation while you were yet in your mother's womb. God knew you and formed you and he put all the stuff in you that you need so that you can become that person that God wants you to become. We know this, that the touch of God is upon our life touch of God upon our life. You have not come to the kingdom of God. You know, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. You see, there's a plan, there's a purpose, and God has a way of touching our lives in a very special way. Christ has come. His word enters our life, and we are changed, created, the word of God creates, continues to create in us. Create, we are created in the image of God. What, what happens whenever we are to forgive as Christ has forgiven us? We are to love as God has loved us. That we have the hope of eternal life. That, that renew a right spirit within me. Create in, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. These are the creation, the Genesis moments of which God is alive in us. John 1.1 1, 1 says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made. So Jesus, John is telling this, saying this about Jesus, that he was there in creation, and without him nothing was made, and through him all things were made, and without him was nothing was made, that has been made, and in him was life, and that life is the light of men. So we have this light in Christ that is our life. 
Hmm. Jesus is the creator. Now, notice that Gen Jesus cannot be a Genesis person because Jesus doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. I like the one version, before the beginning began, there was God. Before the beginning began, there was God. So that's why there's no explanation as to where God came from or how he got here. He always was, always will be. I always like the explanation that in Genesis, we have time, the beginning. In creation, we have the beginning of time. At the, book, in the, at the end of the book of Revelation, and we have the new heavens and the new earth, and then we have eternity. So in eternity past, we have God and the creation of time, and then we have the end of time and eternity future. And God always is. God doesn't remember the past. He doesn't see into the future. It's all knowledge. To God, it's all knowledge. He sees all things, knows all things, and the past is not history. The, future's, the future is not seeing into the future. It is all knowledge to God. So Jesus is the creator. And in our search for God, we search the word to find these truths that come into our life and give us hope, to give us peace, to give us life in the present, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit, create in us a Genesis moment of creation in us that will last forever. So in our search for God, we search the word. Psalm 18 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. Psalm uh, 33 verse 4 the word of the Lord is right. Psalm 119, verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Verse 90, 89 of Psalm 119. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One, verse 140 of Psalm 119. Thy word is pure. Verse 160, thy word is true from the beginning. Then in John chapter 5, verse 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. These are the Genesis moments of how the word is coming to life, in, is alive. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. One version says, the word is alive and active. So the word of God is something that penetrates our life. It is something that in the most difficult situations, the word becomes our anchor. The word becomes our direction post, our, our, our map to life. And it's all in the scriptures. It is a Genesis moment of creation, creating a new heart, a, a new way, a new life in us by the word. What Jesus taught and what he did are tied inseparably to who he is. And then we are tied inseparably to who Jesus is. The word and life are tied together in Christ. We are connected to Christ and we are forever changed. Revelation 1.8 I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Hmm. We find hope and we find encouragement. We find 
this encouragement for life now and in the future. The whole concept of life, eternal life, is in Christ. And that we have this genesis, this creation of hope. The hope in the scripture, remember, is not like, you know, I hope the sun shines today. <laughs> I hope it doesn't rain today. You know, I sure hope that my husband gets me this for our anniversary. <laughs> I sure hope my wife gets me this for our anniversary. That's wishful thinking. <laughs> the hope that is in Scripture speaks of a definite event that we have not arrived at yet. Just like in the Old Testament, there was the prophecy of a Messiah coming that he would be born of a virgin, he would be born in Bethlehem, that those were the hope of the Old Testament, that a Messiah would come. And when the appointed time arrived, Jesus came. There was a hope that portrayed that in the Old Testament. There is a hope that in the New Testament speaks of Christ coming back, that whenever we die, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. That's the creation of life in us that lives on for eternity. And so no matter what we face, we have God who loves and cares for us and for his children. Revelation 12, 11. And they came to him by the blood of the, and they overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You see, it is a Genesis moment when we speak the truth of God's word and the creative power that is in our words. Now, not saying that, um, we'll just say what I am saying, how about that? We want to speak what we want to receive. We want to speak good in our life and the lives of our children. We want to speak about the good things we want to, what did God do in, in chapter 1 of Genesis 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24? God spoke. God said. God created. Now, whenever we confess our sins and we, and we, we talk to God, we are, we are saying if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that. If we confess our sins, God forgives we are speaking about forgiveness. Why would we speak about hatred? Why would, we, why would we speak about, you know, negatively about ourselves or about someone else? We speak forgiveness because that's what Jesus does. What are we doing? We are creating something. We are creating... Can we, can we condemn people to hell because we, people would want to send them there? you know, to, with you. Uh, so we are creating, are we, create, are we sending them there? Why don't we pray for them? Pray for them and say a prayer for them. What happens in us? It creates a new perspective, a different perspective inside of us. See, we're creating with our words. We're creating with our words. It's a Genesis moment every time we speak. We're bringing something, something into existence. If you praise someone and thank them for what they've done, what happens in that moment? You create hope in them. You create life in them. You create an affection inside of them. Giving people compliments. 
It's a way of building them up. The Bible says to build each other up in our most, our most precious and holy faith. We're building ourselves up. Why do we want to say, well, you think, I think I'm going to fail that test today. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad you have a vote of confidence in yourself. <laughs> well, we're going to do our best to do well at our tests. So we study. We pray, ask God for, for help and guidance as we go through the obstacles and the difficulties. Genesis means beginning or origin. The book unfolds the record of the beginning of the world, the beginning of human history, of family, of civilization, and of salvation. Genesis, the story of God's purpose, a plan for his creation, a plan for his creation. God has a plan for us. This God became flesh, and he dwelt among us. I love where John says, and we beheld him. This God who created all things came and was with us, and we held him. And, and behold means there was a recognition. It's a combination of two things there. It is a recognition that this is God with us, the Messiah, Jesus, and that we held him. John, at the, at the Last Supper, he, he lays his head upon the chest of Jesus. Friend with friend. His beloved friend. Hmm. Genesis begins in God. We see him creating the world in a majestic display of power and purpose. <laughs> Sad thing is, in all of that majesty and all of that glory, we see where man finds a way to fall. We find even in our own life a way to be negative and to be discouraged. But a Genesis moment is a recreative, is a creative aspect of who we are and what God wants to do. The Message Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start is created new. The old life is gone. New life burgeons. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then calls us to settle our relationships with each other. It's a Genesis moment. Created me a clean heart. A Genesis moment. A Genesis moment is when God puts the world square with himself through the Messiah and giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness. Forgiveness is our Genesis moment. And whenever we have a right relationship with others, that's another Genesis moment of beginning. You know, there's this story, and I close with this. There's this young boy in, in, in search for God. And he wanted to meet God. So he knew it was a long trip to where God lived, so he packed his suitcase with a bag of potato chips and a six-pack of root beer. And he started on his journey. And it just so happens, I have the suitcase with me. <laughs> and what did I say he had? He had a bag of potato chips. Oh, there they are. And what else do you have? Six pack of root beer. I won't tell you who packed this for me. 
So here's this boy. He wanted to meet God, and so just, you know, he started off on this journey to meet him. And when he had gone about three blocks, he met an old man. This old man was sitting in the park, just staring at some pigeons. The boy sat down next to him and opened his suitcase, and he was about to take a drink from his root beer when he noticed that the old man looked hungry. So he offered him some chips. He gratefully, the old man gratefully accepted the potato chips and smiled at him for giving him a potato chip. His smile was so pretty that the boy wanted to see it again, so he offered him a root beer. And again, the man smiled at him. The boy was delighted. They sat there all afternoon, eating and smiling, but they never said a word. As twilight approached, the boy realized how tired he was, and he got up to leave. But before he had gone more than a few steps, he turned around and he ran back to the old man and gave him a hug. He gave him his biggest smile ever in return. So when the boy opened the door of his home, his mother was surprised by the look of joy on his, this little boy's face. She asked him, what did you do today that made you so happy? He replied, I had lunch with God. Before his mother could respond, he added, you know what? He's got the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. <laughs> Meanwhile, the old man, also radiant with joy, returned to his home. His son was stunned by the look of peace on his father's face and asked, Dad, what did you do today that made you so happy? The man replied, I ate, pota I ate potato chips in the park with God. <laughs> However, before his son responded, he added, you know, he's much younger than I expected. <laughs> Too often we underestimate the power of a touch, of a smile, of a kind word, of a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest of caring, all of which have the potential to turn life around. People come into our lives for a reason, for a season, or for a lifetime. Embrace them. Embrace them all equally. Have lunch with God and bring a bag of chips. A Genesis moment. A time to create in us what God wants to do in us. We read his word. His word challenges us. And as we go about allowing the word to touch us, we take a bag of chips, we take a can of root beer, and we sit down in the park and talk with God, who just happens to be an older man, a young boy. But we meet God in those Genesis moments. Shall we stand?
as um, you go out today, I was going to give them to you at the beginning of church, but I figured you would eat them during church. So we have a bag of potato chips for everyone. And you've got to share your chips with someone and recognize that it's a Genesis moment. It's a Genesis moment. It's a time to create a relationship and see the hand of God on our lives. Amen? Amen. Do you believe it? Say amen. amen. So be it, Lord. God bless you. <laughs>